earlier this week, I was talking to uh, some young people, and I asked them, I said, why um, come to church? Like, why do you enjoy coming to church? And uh, one of them said, well, I really don't like coming to church. All right, well, why? Tell me. Well, what is it that you don't like about church? Well, I just, you know, I don't, I don't have many friends there. I said, all right, well, that's fair. I guess part of coming to church and part of um, being in community is actually having relationships with others, right? And uh, I was talking with some other young people. Um, I said, you know, why do you like coming to church? Oh, we love coming to church. Why? Well, because that's the one time of our week that we get to meet with our friends. We love our friends. All right. So relationships is important, important to our young people. You know, some of us would could sit back and say, well, that's not the reason why we come to church. The reason why we come to church is for God and our relationship with him. But if we were to be honest with ourselves, we would all eventually face the fact that relationships is important to us. And the relationships affect us, even as adults. I can sit with adults why they haven't been to church in the last X amount of years. And a lot of times it's because of the relationships or lack thereof relationships that they had while they were at church. And so relationships to all of us, young and old, is important to us and it affects us deeply. God created us, human beings, to thrive in relationships, to thrive in community with one another. Now, from here on out, when you hear me say the word relationship, try and think of relationship in the broadest sense of the term. In other words, relationship with son, with father and son, or mother and daughter, relationship between husband and wife, Relationship among friends, relationship among co-workers, relationship with employer-employee. Relationships are important to us and they affect our day-to-day life. And they affect how we feel or what we do throughout the day. The relationships that we have in our lives matter. I find it interesting sometimes when when I talk to a, a young adult, a single young adult who's frustrated with the whole dating scene, whatever, and, and they'll say, I'm done with relationships. No more dating. I'm, I'm done with it. I don't need anybody. You've ever heard that? Maybe you've been guilty of saying, I don't need any friends. I don't need a relationship. I don't need a husband. I don't need a wife. But yet almost in the same breath, you hear them. I'm so lonely. Relationships is important to us. And today we're going to talk about how do we deal with difficult people in our lives? How do we deal with those relationships that aren't always going as we would hope? Whether that's father and son, whether that's mother and daughter, whether that's husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend. How can we deal How can we cope with difficult people in our lives? Every one of us here today will know at least one energy zapper. You know what I mean? An energy zapper? Someone who kind of takes away your energy. 
You know, at the end of a conversation or at the end of spending some time together, you feel more exhausted than when you went into that time with them. A great book actually entitled Energy Zappers, I would recommend. But let me just read to you here some of the energy zappers that they point out in this book. Angerers can be energy zappers. People that get angry, people that fly off the handle, people that have a short fuse, energy zappers, right? How about chatters? People who chatter all the time. Sometimes you see a chatterer coming and you find the closest exit. Chatters can be energy zappers. Clingers. Clingers can be energy zappers. Oh my, here she comes again, or here they come again. Energy zappers. Confusers. People that are confused all the time. They're really not with it, not getting the program. And and you're constantly having to spend time to explain to them what's going on. Energy zappers. I see a lot of smiles out there. You know what I'm talking about. Energy zappers. You know what's interesting about this list is that you may realize today that you're an energy zapper. You may say, wait a second. I'm, I'm zapping energy from people? Yeah, maybe. Critics. People who are always criticizing. Cynics. Deceivers can be energy zappers. Depressors. People that are depressed all the time, energy zappers. Disappointers, people that are disappointed all the time. Distractors, people that are always distracting from the task at hand can be energy zappers. Diverters, doubters can be energy zappers. How about exasperators? Foot foot draggers, people that are always holding things back can be energy zappers. Freeloaders, energy zappers. Tell you, this is a great book. And I don't have time to go into detail as to how to approach each one of these energy zappers, but it's a neat book to pick up and certainly can give you a lot of, of practical applications on how to deal with energy zappers. Here's some more, a few more. Patronizers can be energy zappers. Pot stirs. Do you any do you know any pot stirs? Any pot stirs in the church maybe that are zapping the energy of the pastor, perhaps? Pot stirs can be energy zappers. Quitters. Yep. In your workplace or in your home or even at church, quitters can certainly be energy zapper. Stride breakers. Whiners. Any parents out there that have children? Concur. Yes, whiners can be energy zappers. Daddy, I... Uh, No pointing fingers. I see some pointing fingers out there. Whiners can be energy zappers. Wanders can be energy zappers. Relationships is important to us. It is. It is a vital part of who we are, how we were created. And so it is important for us to learn how we can deal with difficult people, particularly those in our lives that are energy zappers. In order to do that, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 5. 
Because we're going to see how Jesus dealt with difficult people. We're going to discover how Jesus dealt with energy zappers. Mark chapter 5, I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. It's the second book in the New Testament. Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 21. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. says this, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. By this time in Jesus' ministry, many people had heard of Jesus. Jesus had already developed a reputation among the people that he was ministering to. And so as a result, wherever Jesus went, the multitudes followed. The multitudes came to him because, listen, they knew that Jesus had what they needed. They were in need and they were coming to to find out that Jesus had what they needed. And so they came in great numbers. Verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude, there it is again, followed him, thronged him, and thronged him. Now here, the Luke, Luke, in the book of Luke, Luke uses an interesting word to describe what was taking place with the multitude. Luke says that they choked him. In other words, there were so many people wanting to get close to Jesus, that they literally were choking him. They were pressing in close because they were in need of something that Jesus had. They were in need of something that Jesus possessed. Whether it was mental healing, as Jesus gave them words of encouragement, As Jesus said to them, who you are in God, who you were created to be, what you what you were created to do. Perhaps it was spiritual healing that they needed. As Jesus said to them, the kingdom of God is at hand. Perhaps they needed spiritual healing and and Jesus provided that. Maybe it was physical healing. And Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit and through the power of God, was able to meet those needs. But here you have the throngs. Here you have the multitudes pressing in, choking him in because they wanted what Jesus had. And so now we read in verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When Jesus heard about, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, then I may be made well. 
Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now it's interesting that power or virtue left Jesus. There were Energy zappers all around Jesus, so to speak. There were people in need all around Jesus. And what we read here is of Jesus giving to her what she needed in order to meet her need. In order to heal whatever it was that she was dealing with. Now, before we discover, before we discover this secret on how to deal with energy zappers, before we deal with the secret on how to deal with those difficult people in our lives, there are a few lessons that we need to point out in this story. We, we must point these lessons out. And lesson number one, lesson number one, Let's start reading in verse 25 once again. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Many of us will spend our lives spending all of our resources trying to heal the situations in our lives on our own. And that is why we oftentimes feel as though we're taking one step forward and two steps back. As long as we are trying to use our own resources, as long as we're trying to figure things out on our own, you can bet that you will go in circles in whatever circumstance you're in and whatever situation you're in, trying to find answers and not finding them. Trying to find solutions and not finding them. I am saying whatever situation you may find yourself in. Whether it's financial. Whether it's emotional. Whether it's spiritual. Whether it's at work with your boss. Whether it's at home with your husband or wife. Whether it's with your children. Whether it's at church. If you are trying to figure things out on your own, using your own resources, it is very possible that you will go the next 12 years using up all of your resources trying to figure it out. But it wasn't until this woman realized that she had to put Jesus first that she found healing. Lesson number one. Whatever situation you're dealing with today, it is vitally important that for you to find healing, you need to put Jesus first. You know, I meet with couples on occasions who are going through difficult times and I sit with them and they talk to me about their financial struggles. They'll they'll talk to me about their, their lack of communication and all the problems that that rises. And I listen, I patiently listen to everything that they say to me. And you know, sometimes I feel as though they walk away disappointed because I will always inevitably ask them, what place does Jesus have 
in your relationship. Well, well, you know, pastor, I understand this Jesus thing. I understand that he's important and all. But but that's not our problem. Our problem is the finances. Our problem is the the communication. And, and, And I need to, I stop him and I say, no. Those are only symptoms of the problem. The problem is, is that Jesus is nowhere to be found in your relationship. And the first thing you must do is put Jesus in the middle of your relationship. People will come to me and and they'll talk to me about their financial burdens. And I will patiently listen to them and I'll hear them out. And at the end of it, I feel as though they leave disappointed because I ask them, what role has God taken up in your finances? Well, pastor, I know that tithe is important. I know what God says about this, that, and, and I know what he says, but that's not what I'm dealing with now. No, that is what you're dealing with. Because until you seek Jesus first, until you put God at the center of whatever circumstance you're in, you will not find healing. Jesus must be our number one priority. And I understand that for some of us here today, that sounds cliche. For some of us here today, that might sound foreign. We may not understand what it looks like or what it's done or what we must do in order to put Jesus first. Let me just say this. That just by opening your mind intellectually to the idea of Jesus being the ruler of your life will put you on the road to the the recovery that you seek. It will put you on the road to the healing that you seek among your relationships. When you put Jesus first, when you say, okay, God, I I don't understand the ins and outs. I don't understand how all of this is going to play out or how it's going to unfold, but I'm coming to you and I'm asking for you to come into my life. That will be the beginning of, Of the end of your problems. I promise you. When you put Jesus first. Is when you will begin to experience. The healing. The redemption. The reconciliation that you're looking for. In whatever situation you're in. And whatever relationship problems. You're having. When you put Jesus first. Lesson number one. We need to put Jesus first. And what do we see happen? What do we see happening when this woman who had been struggling with this issue for 12 years, using up all of her resources, what happens when she puts Jesus first in her life? She finds healing. And we just can't walk away from this text saying, yeah, that's fine and dandy. That was then. This is now. That's a cute story. We we can't walk away saying that. We have to be able to walk away saying that if it happened then, it can happen now. And therefore, I must put Jesus first. And this is what happens. It says here, for she said. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be well. What would our lives look like if we were to take that attitude? What would our relationships look like if we were to take that attitude? That if only I can touch Jesus, 
If I can only touch the hem of his robe, if I can only spend time with him. If we were to take that attitude in our relationships, in our circumstances, it will put us on the road to the healing that we seek. And so here it says in verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, before we get to how we deal with energy zappers, there's a second lesson for us to learn. And that lesson is this, that when you come to Jesus, it matters. It matters in what spirit, or shall I say, the attitude by which you approach Jesus. Let me remind you that Jesus was being pressed on every side. He was being choked. People were rubbing up against him. People were rubbing shoulders with him and they were not experiencing the healing power of Jesus. That's right. There were those who were rubbing shoulders with him, but they were not experiencing the saving grace, the healing power that Jesus was so readily ready to give to them. And I ask you, is it possible That we come to church every week and we rub shoulders with God himself. But because our attitudes are not in the right place, because our spirits are not in the right place, we leave this sanctuary as empty as when we walked in. Is it possible that when we sit down to study his word, when we when we sit down to pray, that we rub shoulders with God himself? But we leave as empty as when we started because, because we don't come with the right attitude. We come and we say, well, I go to church because this is what I have to do. This is what part of my requirement in order to make it to heaven or to make sure that that I'm saved. We come perhaps with the wrong attitude to church. Perhaps we open his word with the wrong attitude. Perhaps we go, well, I need to find that verse because I need to prove them wrong. Instead of taking the approach that says, I need God because I am in desperate need of healing. When we come to God in that attitude, it is when his healing power is then given then manifested in your life when you say, you know what? I need to go to church. Why? Because I need to touch the robe. I need to touch the, the, the hem of his robe. I need to be healed. I need to be restored. I, I need to open his word because I need help. And I'm asking for God to save me. I'm asking for God to heal me, to restore me. Lesson number one is that we must put Jesus first in our lives. Lesson number two is that we must approach him with the right attitude. With an attitude that says, here I am. Save me. Heal me. Change me. 
into the person that you want for me. Now, before we go on to how to deal with those energy zappers, there's a third lesson. There's a third lesson for us to to recognize here. Now, notice in verse 31, it says, but his disciples said to him, I'm sorry, verse 30. Verse 30, it says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, listen to this, Who touched my clothes? I think it, this, this is such a beautiful saying. Who? He doesn't say what. He said, what just touched me? No, no. He's taking an individual He's taking a personal interest. He says, who? Who touched me? Not what? Not the clothing or the hairstyle. Not what? Not the the earrings or the jewelry. Not what? But who? Who touched? Who's come seeking, wanting this healing power? Who? In verse 31, but his disciples said to him, You see the multitudes thronging you and you say, who touched you? Jesus, I mean, I've heard you say some pretty silly things, but I think this one, I think this one takes it all. I mean, I think you take the cake on this one. I mean, who touched you? There's people all around us. We've been in this, I mean, since we left Matthew's house, people have been coming up and touching and bumping up against you. And in verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. In verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. And he told him and, and he and told him the whole truth. Lesson number three. When you put Jesus in the center of your life, lesson number one. And you approach him in the right attitude to seek that healing. Lesson number two. Then give him the credit. Give him the glory. Lesson number three. Give him the glory. Be a witness. Be, be a, a living testimony. Be an ambassador. And say, Jesus healed me. From this sickness, he saved me from this addiction. I'm not embarrassed to say it. I may be scared. I may be fearful, as she was. I may be trembling. It may be uncomfortable, yes. But step out and say, no, I give glory to God. You know, this case that this woman was dealing with was a pretty serious case. For 12 years. How do I do that? Anybody know sign language? For 12 years, this woman was considered unclean. Unclean. How embarrassing is that? She may say, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, but it's kind of embarrassing, everything that I've gone through. I mean, I mean, the situation that I put myself in financially and, and whatnot with my work. It's embarrassing. God, you know, I I should have known better. I I know I shouldn't have hung out with that crowd. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. Let me just say about how good you are. No. Lesson number three. Share your testimony. Share from where God has brought you from. When given opportunity. 
whether to the masses or individually, when given opportunity to share your testimony, share it. Don't be embarrassed. Because for some strange reason, heaven's chosen agency, heaven's chosen um, method for sharing the love of Christ to this world is through our own testimony. It's, it's the only way. It is what, what, what Christ has said. I want you to go and to share. That is how people will know of my love for them when they see my love for you. So lesson number three, whenever given opportunity, whether publicly to the masses or individually, don't be afraid. Don't shy away from sharing your testimony, however embarrassing it may be. Because in doing so, you give God the glory. And not only that, but now you give other people the hope that they're seeking. You now open for them that window that says, if he did it for you, maybe he can do it for me. And intellectually, emotionally, maybe spiritually, they will open that window in their life that says, okay, God, I I want you in my life. I, I, I want you in my life. And you will have set that person on a path to recovery, on a path to healing, to reconciliation. You have set that person on a path to discover their purpose in Christ. Three lessons that we can learn from this story. But yet we still have to answer the question, how do we deal with energy zappers? How do we deal with people like this? You know, with people that come and and, and seem to just take away your energy. You know, at the end of the conversation or at the end of the day, you're just exhausted. I will say this. And oftentimes I get home late at night and Heather will ask me, how was your day? And I will say, I am mentally exhausted. I'm just mentally spent. I mean, it's not like I'm physically spent. It's not like I spent the day, you know, digging a ditch or, you know, working construction or farming, hard labor. I get home and my exhaustion is a bit different. My exhaustion usually is just mentally I'm tired. But I will say this, that unless I was to spend time with God... And recharge myself. There is no way. I'm telling you there would be no way. For me to get up the next day. And do it all over again. How do you deal. With energy zappers. Well let's look at the life of Jesus. Just turn back a couple of pages. Turn back to to a couple of pages. To Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. What do you think Jesus was doing? What do you think he was doing if it wasn't refueling himself 
What do you think he would, if it wasn't plugging into the power source? A car can only run so far on one tank of gas. Eventually, you have to take that car to the station and fill it back up. A remote control car or an a battery-operated plane or boat or whatever it is can only go so far on one charge. Eventually, you need to plug it in. You need to charge it back up. And see, how we deal with energy zappers starts way before the encounter that we have with them. It starts way back in our communion with God. And when we spend that communion and time with God, we are energized, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that when we go out into the world, when we go out into our homes or into our schools, when we are dealing with these energy zappers, whether a, a, a spouse, whether a daughter or a son, whether an employer, whenever we deal with these energy zappers in the world, because we have been energized and empowered by God in that solitary place, we are now able to go out and Provide the energy, provide the healing that they are seeking. We're able to give it to them. It is, it's able to flow out of us. But so often is the case, so often is the case that we never spend time, we don't spend recharging, we don't spend time refueling, we don't spend time connected to the vine and so what we have is one needy person with another needy person. We, we deal with someone who's a critic, with someone who easily gets angry. And, and the pitfall that we fall into is this, that in that relationship, we start asking of that person to fill us up. And so we get into this vicious cycle where we're not going to the right source to begin with to get filled up. And then we find ourselves in these kinds of relationships, whether at work or at home or at church. We find ourselves in this relationship and it's basically the blind leading the blind. Each of us wanting to be filled, wanting our needs to be met from someone who needs it just as much as we do. And so, that's why you hear things like, she doesn't do anything for me. She doesn't meet my needs. Or he doesn't know what I want. And if he would only do this, if he would only do that. We're seeking dry wells. The well that we need to seek is the one that Jesus offered the woman at the well. When he said to her, are you thirsty? Are you needy? Come to me. Tap into the real life source and you will never thirst again. I'd like for you to turn in closing to the book of John. John chapter 15. Just to make sure that you realize I'm not making this stuff up. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Verse 4. 
Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless you abide in God. Unless you are tapped into that source. Guess what? Your life will be fruitless. You will not be able to provide fruit. You will not be able to produce fruit. Not only in your life, but in the lives of those around you. And that is why he says, get attached to me. Be attached to me and you will bear much fruit. Verse 5 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me. These are the words of Jesus Christ. In my Bible, these letters are in red. This is what he says. Without me, you can do nothing. And yet we seek all of these dry wells. We seek all of these dry fountains trying to be energized with, with movies or entertainment or pleasures. We try and get energized with the music that we listen to. We try and get energized with, with the pursuit of earthly pleasure, with the deceitfulness of riches, with the cares of this world. We try and get energized with the people around us, by our spouses, by our children. We try and get energized by, by all sorts of things. And Jesus says, Wait a second. You're wasting your time. Because until you come to me and drink from me, you will continue to thirst. So come to me and I promise you that you will never thirst again. How do we deal with energy zappers in our life? It starts way before we encounter them. It starts way back In a solitary place where we, one, put Jesus first. How do we deal with these energy zappers? It starts way before we come in contact with them. It starts way back in a solitary place when we, two come to him with the right attitude. When we, three, give him the glory for what he has done in our lives. And when you spend that time with him, you will then be given. You will experience the power of God and that power will flow through you to those around you who are seeking to be healed, to be fulfilled. You see, because all of these descriptions that I read to you, it's just the way it's being manifested. It's the way it's being lived out. It's the way that they're, they're expressing their need of Jesus. And so when you spend that time with him, when you go out into the world energized with the power of the Holy Spirit on your side, it will flow through you to them and you will be able to bring the healing that they are seeking, the healing that they need. So, You promise me. Will we commit to spending that time with God? 
Will we commit to spending that solitary time with God, however hard it may seem, however, however we need to rearrange our schedules, whatever we need to do, whether it's taking a long walk during lunch and spending that time in prayer, or maybe it does mean getting up a half hour earlier or maybe an hour early just to spend that time with him, or maybe it's suspending your favorite TV show. Or maybe it's not watching that two-hour movie. Whatever it is that you need to do, commit with me that we're going to spend that time with Jesus. That we're going to make him number one. Because if we are to fulfill our purpose here in this community as a church, when we go out into this community, we will meet energy zappers. We will meet people in need. But we cannot wait until that encounter in order to meet their needs. No, we need to charge ourselves up. We need to refuel ourselves. We need to plug ourselves into the power so that we can heal, so that we can bring the reconciliation that Jesus Christ seeks with these people. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much that you, while here on earth, was constantly connected to to the Father, to God. And as a result, um, he was able to do some pretty mighty things. You know, the word of God shares that nothing, nothing was available to Christ that is not available to us. Which really speaks volumes to how we are just not connected. So God, as we embark on a new week, As we head back to our homes and to school, as we head back to our workplace, Lord, help us to first spend that time with you so that when we go out into the world, we won't experience a sense of distress as we feel people taking away our energies. But instead, we find ourselves in a place where we are giving the energy the power, your Holy Spirit to them, Jesus Christ, that they so desperately need. So God, remind us, encourage us to spend that time with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.